So we're coming to think about what it means to be more biblical. And so hopefully you've picked up the theme of the services we've been going through and thinking a lot about uh, God's word together. And so please do keep that Bible passage that Mike read to us earlier from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and 4. And uh, keep that open in front of you. And we're going to be looking at that together. We're not doing an, a detailed teaching from the book of 2 Timothy, but we are seeing what Paul is going to be telling us about what it means to be biblical. So before we go further, um, let me let me pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you that it is good. Thank you that it is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And Father, we pray that you might speak through your word, by your spirit, through what you have already spoken. And we ask that as you speak, uh, you would create in us a clean heart and an upright spirit, Father, that you would create in us and mold us into uh, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. If you look at um, the sort of values or mission statements of most churches, thankfully, most churches will say that they seek to be biblical. Uh, this is one of our core values. And our core values are not some sort of, you know, business practice that we're trying to implement. Uh, our core values are the things that we are defining as a church that we, we sat together, we spoke about it, we talked about what makes, what are the marks of a healthy church and a healthy Christian? And of course, being biblical next to being worshipful, worshipful is fundamental to being a healthy church and a healthy Christian. And this is what we're going to be looking at today. And most churches will mark this out. But what does it actually mean? Because sadly, it's, it's become apparent that not all churches that claim to be biblical are in fact keeping, in keeping with the Bible's teachings and in keeping with the Bible's teachings on how to live and what to believe. And this is the sad reality today. Christians assume it. Non-Christians dismiss it, um, but what does it actually mean to be biblical? Now, the reality is this isn't just something that sets apart some churches from other churches or churches who prefer to get more in-depth with the teaching versus churches who, I don't know, prefer to be more active or, or prefer to, be, to focus on singing or, or something like that. Now, this isn't one of those sorts of questions. This is not just about emphasis. This is not just about being a particular kind of church. This issue is so fundamental that it determines whether or not you are in fact a church. It determines whether or not you are in fact a Christian. You see, because the fundamental claim, the fundamental confession of Christians since the very beginning, since the New Testament, is the claim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And then the question is, well, how does Jesus Christ exercise his lordship over you? So if Jesus Christ is Lord, how does Jesus Christ the Lord rule over you and over the church? That is one of the most important questions that we can ask together. And the answer to that is that he rules through his word. It is through his speech through the Bible. Now, um, Jesus taught his disciples that my sheep hear my voice. Um, it is essential 
to being a follower of Jesus. It's essential to being a citizen of his kingdom. It's essential to being a Christian, to being one of the sheep uh, in uh, Jesus the shepherd's care or under his care is that we hear his voice and we follow him. And without the Bible, there is no authoritative way to hear his voice. In other words, Jesus cannot be your shepherd and he cannot be your king because you have, if you reject the Bible, you remove any of his shepherd's call or any of his kingly decrees from reaching you. you you've taken his word. And so this is why it's so essential. This is what Paul is getting at to Timothy. The tone is so impressive in, in chapter 4, verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Now, Timothy is being, is Paul's understudy, is being prepared to be a leader in the church. And so Paul is saying, this is the thing that you must do. He writes this just before he dies. Timothy, this is the essential thing. I charge you in the presence of God. The thing you are to do, Timothy, is to preach the word. Why? Because it is through the word that Jesus will exercise his lordship over his people and over his church and over this world. Preach the word because it is through the word that the shepherd's voice is heard by the sheep. Preach the word. That's Timothy's charge. And the reason why this is so important is because uh, there are going to be other voices. In John's gospel, he said uh, that there are the voice of strangers, the voice of Satan. Satan's strategy from the beginning is to sow confusion in amongst uh, the word. So we're not certain if we're hearing the right thing or not, of, of what we believe is the truth. That's been his strategy from the beginning. Not to outright deny it, but just to sow half-truths in the midst of the church. As, as we were praying earlier, there are so many half-truths circulating, so many conspiracy theories. And this was exactly what Paul was warning Timothy about. Don't get involved in those. Stick with the word. Stick with the scriptures, uh, which is why he gets into the scriptures. So I want to ask three questions just very briefly um, in, in the last few minutes of our gathering together. I want to ask three questions about being biblical. And the first is, well, why do we need to be biblical? We started to answer that already. But why do we need to be biblical? Why do we need to focus on it so much? Why not just assume it? Um, secondly, what does it mean to be biblical? And thirdly, how can we grow in our faithfulness in being biblical? So let's have a look at the first of those. Why do we need to be biblical? We've already seen it's essential to the Christian life to be biblical. And Psalm 119 is a beautiful portrayal of biblical spirituality. And we've preached on that in the past. But why we need to be biblical, really, this is covered in, in chapter 4, mainly in, in, in those eight verses. But even from chapter 3, you see that the problem, the difficulty the church is going to face from chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So this is the problem that the church is going to face and did face from the beginning. If you read through church history, right from the outset, constantly 
There were deceivers and there were those being deceived. There were heresies and false teachings that have been fought, from, fought against from the beginning. There are people who will deceive you and they will themselves be deceived. They may be very sincere in their deceit, but they're still deceived and they're still deceiving you. This is going to be a problem. In chapter four, verse three, um, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They won't want it. They won't tolerate sound doctrine. Biblical teaching will not be something that people desire. Instead, instead of that, they will gather around people to put up, uh, uh, to, to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So this is, this is key. What's going to happen from early on in the church, and remember, this is not just from outside of the church. This is from within the church. People are going to say, I don't want sound doctrine anymore. Instead, I want something that's going to suit my own desires. Sound doctrine is too challenging. It's too difficult. It's too countercultural. It's going to make me unpopular. It's going to make me seem ignorant and backward amongst my sophisticated non-Christian friends. No, I rather want something that's going to suit my own desires, my own ambitions, my own picture of what life should be like for me. And so we turn to look to teachers who are saying what we want them to say, not teachers who simply say what the Bible says. It's fundamental to what it means to be biblical is to be teaching what the Bible says, not what we wish the Bible would say. Because let's be honest, we are fallen people. And sometimes what the Bible teaches is hard for us to hear. And why we need biblical teaching so desperately is the same. Because we are fallen creatures and it's the truth is hard for us to bear sometimes. And so we'll naturally gravitate to something that suits us, that satisfies our itches. We turn away from the truth to myths. Instead of worrying about the things that matter most, the temptation is going to be to focus on things that are speculative, that may or may not be true, that are sort of conspiracy theories, that are maybe on the periphery of what is important to Christian theology and yet causes divisions anyway. The danger is that we get sucked into all kinds of things. Um, and a common example of that, or a recent example of that, would have been the Bible Code where Christians got into a huge fuss about whether or not there was some secret meaning behind the Bible if you looked at the words in a certain way. And of course, that isn't at all uh, how the Bible works. But it did its own, it distracted Christians from what truly mattered. Even today, there are, there are all sorts of debates going on on peripheral issues, exact details about how the end times is going to happen. When in fact, we just have to be honest and say, well, we know some things, but we don't know it's all. Yet these things have caused division and distracted Christians from the things that matter most, from the sound doctrine that is clearly taught in scripture from the gospel. And so because of this, because of this, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. The implication there is there's going to be an out of season. In other words, there's not only going to be times when people love the word and respond and, and many are being baptized and being saved. There are also going to be times when nobody cares. And more than that, there are going to be times when people are hostile. So everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted eventually if we're being biblical. Because what the Bible says will, from time to time, be out of season. 
And that's going to create hardship for us. And so why we need to be biblical so desperately is because all of these things that we see that Paul's warning Timothy are going to happen out there, all of those are a problem because they appeal to something that's happening inside of us, in our hearts. Because there is a part of us that wants to turn from the truth to myths. There is a part of us that wants to give up on sound doctrine and instead turn to the things that make us feel better about ourselves and, and promise us nice things rather than tell us the truth, which is sometimes difficult to hear. There are temptations in us to stop listening to the shepherd's voice and turn instead to strangers. And so we need desperately for people and for churches and for us to persevere in sound doctrine. That's fundamentally, as we move on to the next question, what does it mean to be biblical? Fundamentally, it means perseverance, continuing in what you've learned and believed and teach. So listen to the contrast in verse 13 and 14 of chapter three. While evil doers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. Continue. Don't be pulled to the left or to the right. Just continue in what you have been taught, in what the Bible has taught you. You have known it from the scriptures. That's what it means. And essentially, there are three things about what it means to be biblical. That is to learn, to believe, to trust, and to do. To learn, to believe, and to do. That's what you see in verse 13, uh, sorry, verse 14. As for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. Those three things are all there. You have to, in order to be biblical, we have to know what the Bible says. That's, that's key. We have to learn about its message. That means, you know, if you haven't started a program of Bible reading, whether that's reading through the whole Bible or, or reading through the New Testament or, or something like that, you can do a lot worse than to start one of those reading programs, to get familiar with what the Bible teaches. But it's not simply about knowing the content so you can answer bible trivia the bible quiz or something like that like what was the third son of mephibosheth or, or something like that you you know i don't know if the bible even tells us that but the that's that is not really what is meant here the the idea of learning it is not simply knowing the content or even memorizing the content but understanding it learning what the message of the Bible is. What is it that the Bible is teaching us? Do we know it? Do we know it begins with just knowing the data? But do we really understand what it means? Now, this is what Paul is, is urging Timothy to continue in. As you continue in what you have learned and, and become convinced of, this is the next step. If we're reading the Bible and we're just reading it, closing our, book, our Bibles and putting it away, that's not, again, what God has in mind for us. It's to, it's to become convinced of what we're reading. It's to let the Bible's whole view of life and reality in the world shape our view of life and reality in the world. There are so many different illustrations for this, but just think for a moment of something, uh, here's something recent. Think of Boris's updates, our prime minister, Boris Johnson's updates of, of, the, um, uh, of the, the, the COVID pandemic. 
and about all the different rules and restrictions and the regulations and about the latest information uh, to do with how the UK is coping with it and the vaccines and how they're being rolled out. You know, whenever those announcements come out, we watch them, we read the, the updates, we adjust our lives accordingly. Uh, we adjust our thinking accordingly. Now, if this is something that we do when the prime minister comes and talks to us about a pandemic, about a, a disease that only affects our life now, how much more should we pay attention when the creator of the universe speaks to us and tells us about things that not only affect us in this life now, but also far more importantly in the life to come, which is everlasting. And so when the king speaks, we should gather around, listen to what he says, and adjust our lives accordingly. James uses the illustration of the mirror. Look into a mirror and take appropriate action. Shave your head. Don't shave your beard. These sorts of things. You should look into a mirror and walk away thinking things like that. When you um, look into a mirror, if you see things are out of place and a, a, you know, a bit of asparagus hanging out from your teeth, and you just walk away thinking, oh, well, um, and don't do anything about it. That's, that's a silly way to treat a mirror. It's a silly way to treat a Bible to simply read it and not let it affect you. Don't go to the Bible assuming that um, you already know what it's going to say to you. Don't go to the Bible assuming that it, you're going to agree with everything or it's going to agree with you. Assume that it's going to change you somehow. And to do this, we need a high view to, to continue in, in doing and, and believing and learning and, and putting it into practice. It requires of us a high view of Scripture. We're not going to let the Bible challenge us when it hurts if we don't have a view of the Bible that gives it the authority to challenge us. In other words, to recognize that the Bible is, as Paul puts it, God-breathed. That is literally his words, spoken out, breathed out by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that speaks with his direct authority. And when you read it and you find something difficult, you can't just dismiss it as something that's from a culture long ago or, or something like that. No, it is God speaking to you. You have to properly understand it. But when it speaks, you listen and you obey. Without a high view of Scripture, a view of Scripture that says, oh, it's just an important tradition in the church, or a view of Scripture that says, oh, it's, it's just a man-made reflection on uh, recording the relationship of God's people with God over the centuries. No, none of these are sufficient for us to truly submit to the teachings of Scripture. But if you see the Scriptures as the very voice of God speaking to you through what He has spoken then you will understand how your life needs to change, how my life needs to change. So that's what it means in a nutshell to be biblical. Finally, how do we grow in biblical faithfulness? How do we, how do, we do that? Well, fundamentally, the way that uh, God has set up the church to grow in its biblical faithfulness is through its gathering on the Sunday. As we gather around God's word together, he speaks to us and we listen. This is why Paul is so intent for Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, uh, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. It is chiefly through the Sunday sermon that God addresses his people. 
And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because it, we gather together with worship. And so everything we do on a Sunday morning puts us in the right relationship with God, where he is the one we worship and we are the worshipers. He's the creator. We're the created. He's the king. We're the subjects. And so we're in the right frame of mind and attitude as we gather on Sundays. But also because it's through uh, trustworthy church leaders, through elders and pastors, uh, that that word is to be delivered. You can watch YouTube and you can watch sermons online and you can watch, um, and there are, you know, very skilled and talented preachers out there, far more than my, far more than me, but you don't know them and you don't know where they come from and you don't know the tradition that they stand in, but you know that at here at Bethesda, uh, who your elders are, you know what their beliefs are, you know what their statement of faith is, you know what their confession of faith is that they sign up to. Uh, we all are on the same page with that. So you know that they are coming from a trustworthy perspective to, do, to safeguard the church from false teaching and to promote true teaching. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that pastors and elders can't go astray and that we need to subject everything to the word. Of course, of course, we need to do that. But the basic stance of the church to its teaching on Sunday is to be one of trust and acceptance. It should be a shocking and horrifying thing when that teaching goes askew or astray. And so, of course, Bible's open, hearing with discernment, testing everything, but with an, a basic posture of, of trust. And God has set it up that way so that as we local churches can be guided in faithfulness by the elders of churches who uh, have already been acknowledged to be trustworthy men who can lead, lead them. So we do it together, but we also do it individually. So the, the must, the absolute essential must for growing in biblical faithfulness is to pay attention to what is spoken on Sundays. But we have the opportunity to do so much more because uh, unlike most points in history, we have uh, Bibles, in our room, in our houses, more than one, more than one translation. We can dig deep on our own. And so why not commit yourself to do that? Why not commit to coming to um, not only together on Sunday morning here virtually, but also uh, tonight to come to Colossians and come and dig deep into the word that way. But also want to commit to, to reading and studying the word on your own, going through a book and reading it and asking questions and make use of the church to help you understand it. There are great commentaries out there and study Bibles, but again, the primary means that God has provided for his church to help his church with the word are the, are the elders. And so if you read something that you don't understand, ask an elder. And if the elder doesn't understand, they can ask each other. If they don't understand, then we, they can find out and, and, and it's a learning and growing experience for everybody. But why don't we do that? Why don't we take uh, seriously biblical doctrine? Why not commit yourself to read and reflect on the statement of faith um, of the church, which you can find on our website, or for something a little bit more in depth. Another tradition that we stand in um, is the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. You could get, you can, you know, look at that for free online or buy a little leather bound copy for yourself and reflect on that to familiarize yourself with true biblical teaching whether it's the London Baptist Confession of Faith or whether it's the FIEC Statement of Faith. Um, these can be a helpful guide and just help us to understand the boundaries of biblical doctrine. So why we need it? Because it's essential to be a Christian. We need to listen to the shepherd's voice so we can follow him. We need to hear the instruction of our king so we can obey him. 
what does it mean to be biblical? It means that we learn what the Bible teaches, we understand it, that we believe it and entrust ourselves to it, and that we do it, we put it into practice, we allow it to change us. And how do we do that? Well, we do that chiefly when we come together. But why not also commit yourself to do it on your own as well, privately or with one or two others, maybe get together with somebody else in the church and study the Bible with them, or perhaps with a non-Christian and introduce them to what the Bible teaches. And so as we do this, our prayer is that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we thank you so much for your word. We pray, please help us to entrust ourselves to it, to know that it isn't just a human book, but a book inspired by you. It is your very word and voice to us. And may we regard it um, for the value that it is. May we treat it as a precious gift. May we make use of it and apply it and study it. Our Father, we pray that as a church and as individuals, we would grow to be more biblical. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.